0: Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. Very cool. I just want to give a shout out to Caleb and Michaela. Where are they? Michaela. <laughs> oh, Michaela's and kids. I was like, where did she go? Uh, they did a vow renewal yesterday. It was beautiful. I got to officiate it. And, um, and bring my brand of jokes to <laughs> to proceedings. They were cat jokes, yes. Let's leave it at that. You might hear a few today because you're here. Uh, My name is Nate, by the way, for those who don't know me, and uh, really love this journey that um, we are on. Uh, In this month, we're in a series called Doves, Flames, and What? Because quite often when we think about the Holy Spirit, we think weird, crazy, out there stuff. But really, we want you to know that the Holy Spirit is something that each and every one of us has as an inheritance as a Christian. And uh, week one, I shared about how the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, is the gift of God of Himself to enable us to live out all that God has got for us. And then last week, Pastor Beck spoke about how to receive the gift. There's only one prerequisite, and that little prerequisite is that we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So those are the foundational messages, and if you want to go back and listen to them, they're available on podcast. Uh, but today, we are going to be talking specifically. About how to receive the Holy Spirit. What is this whole baptism in the Holy Spirit thing about? And 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 this is something that we are so excited about. In fact, I can't wait to finish preaching. Normally, I love preaching, but I can't wait to finish preaching because I really believe that today God wants to do something, and I just want to get out of the way. I really don't want to to steal the light, the limelight, and the and the thunder. Um, from what God wants to do, and I really just want to get out of the way, but to do that I want to lay a foundation because I think if you've been a Christian for a little while or you've kind of heard about Christianity, this whole Holy Spirit stuff, you've probably heard some weird things going on. And I really want to make sure that before we get into a time of encountering God and saying, God, you move, we want to talk about what that actually means and what that looks like and, and why it's something that we treasure so much as Christians. All right? So... Before we go anywhere, let's pray, because I, I just want to get through this quickly, and you know I like to waffle, like right now. Um, so, dear Father, I pray for myself. I pray that the Word comes out clear and simple, and it just sows the seed of truth that will allow you to just move mightily in this place this morning. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. So, I'm going to get into teacher mode. I don't do this very often, but I want to do a little bit of teaching. And there are three things today that I want to clarify before we move into a time of praying for people. And the first thing is this. As Christians, the Bible teaches us about two baptisms. There are two baptisms that are mentioned in the Bible. And we can see them in Mark chapter 1. And basically, John the Baptist, who is Jesus' earthly cousin, he has the task of... uh, uh, preparing the way for Jesus and, and he does that and, and he says that Yet repent, follow God uh, because Jesus is coming and, and he actually says this in, uh, in verse 6 to 8 it says after me comes he who is mightier than I the straps of whose sandals I am, I am not worthy to stoop down and untie I have baptized you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit so here, we see that there is water baptism, and at Live Church, we love water baptisms. We've done one so far in, in the life of our church. We did it uh, at the end of January, January, I think it was like January 31. It, is, it was meant to be in the middle of summer, but I think um, someone wasn't happy that we were doing baptisms, and so uh, they, they cooked up a bit of a storm for us when we went down to Layton Beach, and uh, the next baptism service we have is probably when the sun comes out again because um, we're, we're, we are waiting to, uh, for Beck and myself to earn enough money because I lost my set of glasses <laughs> and at that baptism. It was amazing. <laughs> if you go on Facebook, you can see the pictures. One moment are my glasses. next moment is like, where are they gone? <laughs> it's like a magic trick. But really, we love baptisms because baptisms symbolize that a person is saying, I need Jesus in my life. I want to make this public declaration that Jesus is Lord and Savior of my life. And really they are doing this in obedience with what Jesus is teaching because Jesus says get baptized. And, and, and so we follow this commandment, but more than just a symbol, it actually does something in people's lives. Because what baptism actually symbolizes is that we are dead to ourselves and alive in Christ. We're saying that our past has been dealt with so that now we have this clean slate with Jesus Christ. And when, when we do baptism services, we see people that, that, that know that their past is not up to standard. They know that there are things in their past that is not great. They know that there are things that are holding them back. And as they go through uh, what we call the waters of baptism, which is really just the seawater, ocean water, and we just put them in and have them come out, it, it somehow something goes on on the inside. And we see people just being set free. We see people with their past being dealt with. And that's why we want every person who comes to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior to, to go go through with baptism because it just deals with your past. It is something to set a marker in your life that you say, I'm no longer that person. I'm no longer that person that did all that stuff. I'm now found in Christ. But as much as baptism is so important, uh, water baptism is so important, uh, uh, John the Baptist was saying that there is something else that comes after water baptism, and and he calls it the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He says Jesus is going to come, and Jesus is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So water baptism deals with your past, but baptism in the Holy Spirit deals with your future. And Jesus puts it this way when he talked about it to his disciples in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, there were 120 Christians. They weren't called Christians then at that point in time. 120 people who are hard Jesus followers. And out of those 120 followers, God had a mission for them to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Which, by the way, is being accomplished today. 120 uneducated, normal people. Had, to, had this mission, that this great call upon their lives to do something extraordinary. And what Jesus said to them is, you will do that, but before you do that, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you today that each one of you has a mission, a role to play in what God wants to do in this world. But for you to be able to do all that God has got for you, you need the Holy Spirit. And that's why we have this thing called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 120 disciples changed the face of the planet. Can you imagine if every Every Christian today lived in the power of the Holy Spirit, knew that they had this power residing inside of them, how much more would the church be activated to do amazing things? And that's what we want for each and every person, not just to deal with your past, but to let you know that you've got a future that God has got in store for you. But in order to reach the fullness of what God has got for you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah? So some people from there, they will will argue and they will say, but the Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is there when I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. They will say, isn't baptism in the Holy Spirit similar to my conversion experience? And by conversion experience, I mean that moment where you go, I need Jesus. And, and the Bible actually does teach us that the Holy Spirit is present when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And the big reason for that is because we were too blind. We were too dead. We were too broken. We were too absorbed in ourselves and in the world to realize our need for a Savior. Then the Bible says it this way in John 16, 8-9. This is actually Jesus talking about the work of the Holy Spirit when it comes to salvation. And it says, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin because they do not believe in Me. So we can see that for us to realize that we need Jesus and to believe in Jesus, we actually need the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was there. But don't worry, you're not wasting your time. We're not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit as something that you receive at the point of conversion. And this is the reason why. Because at the point of conversion, what is going on is the Holy Spirit is working behind the scenes... ...to introduce you to Jesus Christ. You don't notice He's there. It's basically like if you think about um, uh, 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 a guy wanting to propose to uh, his um, girlfriend... And he gets a friend to go in the in the background to, to make this big flower petal heart and light candles everywhere. And and the girlfriend doesn't notice that there is this ninja that is going around doing all of these things. All she sees is this amazing man who has done all of this work. You know what I mean? It's like, th- this this guy's working his butt off, you know, cooking a three-course meal in the background, and, and all that she's looking at is this amazing man that is done all of this work to, to, to win her heart, and that's kind of like what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's not there to steal the limelight. He's just working in the background. He's just like, you need Jesus. Jesus is amazing. He's setting up the scene. He's making uh, things happen so that you get to a place where it's like man Jesus is amazing but while you're saying Jesus is amazing we don't even know that the Holy Spirit is there mm-hmm. he is that good yes. but you don't even know that he is in that scene And that's what's happening during your conversion experience. The Holy Spirit is making you aware of the amazing person known as Jesus Christ, who came and died for your sin and set you up for the future. And right now, in some of your hearts, maybe there is a, I want to know that Jesus is not because there's a guy up the front shouting at you and spitting in your face. It's because the Holy Spirit is setting up the scene for you. Sorry, Shelly. For you to know (laughs) that Jesus is amazing and he wants you to know salvation, to know that your past has been dealt with. Yay, that is the amazing work of the Holy Spirit. But what happens from there is that when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus then turns it around and says, you know what, as much as you think I'm this amazing person, I need you to meet someone who's equally amazing. And that is the Holy Spirit, and that's why um, John said uh, um, in Mark chapter one that one is coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, because Jesus then comes and he says, you know, I I'm here in physical human form to be the sacrifice for your sin. But remember what we talked about in week one. There is this gift that is coming. The Holy Spirit that is far greater than anything I can do in human form. But the Holy Spirit will reside in you. And so Jesus, when, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Spirit what Jesus is doing is saying you need this. You need this Holy Spirit to live in. In you, And we can see that these two episodes, your conversion and, and the receiving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, are two different things. We can see that the disciples who followed Jesus, they followed Him for three and a half years, and yet Jesus still said to them, wait in Jerusalem till you receive uh, the Holy Spirit. It's something, uh, scholars call it subsequent. The Holy Spirit, uh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is subsequent to your conversion experience, and we can see this as well in Acts chapter 8, um, uh, and where, 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 where the story unfolds, where there's this man called Philip, he, he brings the gospel of the good news to a city called Samaria, and, and is it Samaria? Yes, the city of Samaria, got it right. And and he preaches there, and, and this is what it says. They were baptized, both men and women. They believed the good news of what was going on. And two verses later, subsequently, Later, down the track, not at the same time. Sometime a little bit down the track. Getting it? No? Simple, clear. Two verses later, we read about how the apostles in Jerusalem, the apostles were basically the leaders of the early church, and they were saying, Man, the people in Samaria are receiving Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Now they need the Holy Spirit. So they sent Peter and John, and what we read is that Peter and John went there, laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. It's something that comes after. You might be in this room and you have received salvation. Amazing. One of the best decisions you can make in your life. But let me tell you there's something more. There's something more. It, I feel like one, uh, this is like one of those telemarketing things. There's more. There's more. There's, more. There's, there's this amazing thing that God's unfolding in your life. And the Holy Spirit is what comes next. And we want that for each and every person. So, after you receive the salvation and you're going after, uh, you're desiring the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the next question that I want to deal with is, how do you know that you have received the Holy Spirit? Maybe another way to put it is, what is the evidence that you have received the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible say? And this is, to be honest, a controversial topic in Christian circles. Uh, We we all still love each other, but there is some debate about this. And the main debate is because the Bible doesn't actually say in black and white, um, in words, the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is X, Y, Z. It doesn't actually contain that. But what we do have is a whole book called the Book of Acts. And the book of Acts is basically the recording of the early church and what was going on. And through that book, we can actually see a pattern emerging about what is going on. In fact, um, yeah, before we go there, I'm going to tell you what I believe the evidence of uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And, And I believe that the one evidence that the Bible does talk about is actually speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is being able to speak in a language that you have not learned previously. This can be in the form of a foreign language, but more often than not, for most people that I know, in fact, for all people that I know, they are basically speaking in what we call a heavenly language. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 puts it this way, For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. He utters mysteries in the Spirit. I do not know what they're actually saying, but there is this language that God gives to us. So why do I say that speaking in tongues is the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit? Because in the book of Acts, like I mentioned, there is this pattern that emerges. And on the screen is going to come up uh, five occasions in the book of Acts And if you're a note-taker, we don't have time to go through each and every one of them, but note down the passages, read them for yourselves. And um, basically, what we find is that in three of the five accounts, um, the the speaking in tongues was was, uh, put together with this whole idea of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you something interesting about the Bible. When something happens three times, it means that it has been confirmed. That is a biblical principle when something has been repeated three times is because the Bible is saying that this is a solid pattern of how God operates. Yet there are also two other occasions uh, where tongues is not mentioned in there, but one of them, as you can see in Acts chapter 9, talks about Saul, uh, who later gets converted to Paul, and we know through his letters later on, we're going to be looking into them uh, in, in 1 Corinthians, that Paul actually does speak in tongues, so at some point he, he spoke in tongues. And the other one, uh, in Acts chapter 8, was where... Um, the apostles went in and they prayed and they said that they received the Holy Spirit and it was so clear that they received the Holy Spirit there was some kind of evidence there was something they didn't mention what it was but they said it was clear that they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and and um You know, what what does that look like? What could the evidence be? The thing is that some people say that the the activation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is evidence. But that's not true, because the disciples, before they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they were prophesying, they were praying for the sick, and they received healing. Uh, they, They were casting out demons, they were doing all of these amazing things, yet Jesus still told them, wait in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. And they did that in Acts chapter 2, you can see that. And so there must have been some evidence that was noticeable enough. It wasn't just that they looked really happy, because all of us can be happy without Jesus. It it wasn't that you were crying because um, you can cry for any reason. There was something that was going on that was out of the ordinary. And in particular, I do want to show you in Acts chapter 10, in that one account that we can see, Uh, uh, down the bottom, is that this was a really interesting account and it shows as a foundation that we can hold on to. And this was basically what was going on was that at that point in time, the early church believed that Jesus, the message of the gospel was only for the Jews. They believed that it wasn't meant to go beyond that. They thought that it was a special gift from God for themselves. Yet at one point, God spoke to Peter, uh, one of the early leaders of the church, and, and, and told him clearly, in fact, told him three times to confirm that it was him, and said, You need to go speak to this person who's going to be coming to you tomorrow. And God told him so clearly that he was like, All right, I got to do this. I got to do this. God's doing this. And so this uh, servant uh, of a man named Cornelius comes and finds Peter. Peter follows him back to his household, Three to them. And this is what happens in verse 45. It says, And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. They did not expect this In fact, they did not want this. They thought that the gospel was for themselves. They thought that the gift of the Holy Spirit was only for themselves. Yet they saw something that was so clear that God was desiring the Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit. that they went, this is God. It wasn't some uh, flimsy little thing that they couldn't make out, there was something clear, there was an evidence that God was moving in that place, and what was the evidence? For they were hearing them speaking in tongues. And extolling God. So, yeah, we can talk about that. Can you worship God without um, accepting Jesus? Yes, I've heard people saying Jesus is God and all that kind of stuff. So, it doesn't require the Holy Spirit for you to give some kind of worship to God, but to be able to speak in tongues is something that only happens when you have received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In fact, this was so clear to them. And this this whole episode was so controversial that Peter actually had to go back to Jerusalem to give a report on what was taking place because they're like, what is going on? God is reaching out to the Gentiles. They are receiving the Holy Spirit no way. So Peter gets up in front of the church and says, look, God's doing this. And he says in Acts 11 verse 15, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And the beginning that he was referring to was at the beginning of the church on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell and all of them spoke in tongues. There's no other evidence in the Bible that we can point to that says, you can be sure that you have received the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not here to judge whether you receive the Holy Spirit or not. That's not my job. But I want you to know without a shadow of doubt that you have the Holy Spirit residing in you because it's the best thing that you've got to face the rest of your life. Not lift church, not pastor night. I'll make mistakes. I'll probably point you down the wrong path at some point in your life. But the Holy Spirit will never make a mistake. Yeah. The Holy Spirit will be with you every single moment. And how do you know you've got the Holy Spirit? Because you speak in tongues. Yeah. Now one final thing that we want to talk about before we start praying is that um, some people would then argue that the Bible actually says that not everyone will speak in tongues. And to that I would say, yeah, it's actually quite tricky. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 30, Paul writes this, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, on and on and on and on and on. um, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Now, Paul didn't actually give an answer, but we pretty much know. What do you think the answer is to that question? I think some people are just confused in this room. Am I going away too fast? No, the answer is not Jesus. The answer is no. No. I know you're like, I want to say yes, but the answer is no. I'm sorry. Read it. It's pretty clear. Paul's saying not all speak with tongues. So does that mean that God doesn't want some people to know that they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Does that mean that maybe God is withholding the baptism in the Holy Spirit from some people? How do we get around this? And the thing is that we need to be reading passages of the Bible in context and and, and comparing it with one another. And what is going on in this particular passage is that Paul was speaking specifically about gifts of the Holy Spirit that build up the church, And there is this gift called speaking with tongues, that's very important, speaking with tongues that is accompanied with interpretation that builds up the church. You can read about that at other passages. There is this gift uh, that when someone speaks with tongues and there's someone else or maybe the same person that interprets, they they, they consider that kind of like prophecy, is this hearing from the voice of God. So that's what is happening in this passage. And in that case, if you're asking about do all uh, people speak with uh, with tongues, And, and the answer is no. Not everyone has been given those gifts. Not all has uh, um, not all has a teaching gift. Not all has the gift of apostleship. So not everyone has the gift of speaking with tongues. But Paul himself goes on to write about something else. And in one Corinthians fourteen, verse two to five, he says this: For one who speaks in the tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. We already covered that verse. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself but the one who prophesies builds up the church now I want you all to speak in tongues but even more to prophesy see what we can see here is that there clearly is another kind of tongue a tongue that builds yourself up and not the church up you following me Am I confusing some people? I probably am. And you're just like, I don't want to say anything, I'm embarrassed. Basically, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about a tongue that builds up the church. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul's talking about a tongue that builds yourself up. And if you look at the language, he says speak with a tongue in 1 Corinthians 12. And then he, he talks about speaking in a tongue in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, we call speaking with tongues the gift of tongues. It's a gift for you to build up the church. But there's something else called the speaking in tongues. That is a personal gift that God has given to us to build yourself up. And now we can see why there is this mysterious gift of tongues. Because tongues, if, if, if it is evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, is something that God has given you to use to build yourself up. Now, we, now it makes sense. God's not just saying you feel tingles down your spine and then you're all good to go, He's giving you a tool speaking in tongues so. So that you can build yourself up, so that you can get larger, stronger in your spirit, so that you can take on all that God has got for you. Following me? so we need to understand that there's a difference between speaking with tongues which is not for everyone and speaking in tongues and paul himself said now i wish that all of you would speak in tongues it is not just an empty wish it is something that he knew that god is making available for all we read about how god says in those days i will pour out my spirit on all people, on every single person. Now, will God give you something and leave doubt in your heart whether you have received a gift or not? No. He wants you to know that you know that you know that He's living inside of you. This is not just some kind of power source that you plug yourself into and feel good about stuff. No, no, no. We talked about this in week one. The Holy Spirit is the gift of God, of Himself. He desires to be in relationship with you, guiding you through the journey of your life and how do you know that is happening because you speak in tongues it's as easy as that and I know at the same time it is complicated and I hope that today I've, uh, all I'm trying to do is to condense it into what the Bible says Because when it comes to spiritual stuff, what many Christians do, myself included, is that we look through what is going on through the filter of our experience. We see certain things that is going on. People are like, i got a Holy Spirit so I can eat snakes. And it's just like, you're weird. You're crazy. I don't know what kind of spirit you got, but it ain't holy. And it's it's one of those weird things. And you're like, I don't want that stuff. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say have the Holy Spirit and then go test it out by letting a serpent bite your 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 big toe or something. It it just says the Holy Spirit is in there so that you can build yourself up. You can get ready for all that God's got for you. It's as simple as that. And 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 we need to uh, ensure that our experience is not. Um, coloring how we see the Holy Spirit. So this morning, if we can get the band up. Really what I'm hoping for is that over the course of this series, you've got this hunger that is being developed in you to see more of God in your life. This isn't about some kind of... Tick sheet that you go through. This isn't about some kind of like, if you don't have this, you're a second class citizen. This is not some kind of uh, a weird, spooky stuff. This is about God wanting you to know that your future is secure. Another, another, other passages which I don't have on the screen today and I didn't research it, but it says that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the seal of your salvation. It's for you to know that you know that you know that you know that you are in Jesus's hands that your future is decided it has been made secure nothing you can do can uh, separate you from the love of god i want you to know that i hate christians that are walking around saying i don't know god's accepted me and and i don't know if god likes me and when it's clear that god's love for you overshadows everything that you've ever done you've never earned your salvation why start now but one thing that we do have as Christians is a seal, a guarantee of our salvation. And that is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. How do you know you received it? Because you speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues this morning, it is not a bad thing. It is something the Bible also talks about. Jesus says if you desire a baptism in the Holy Spirit, persevere till you receive. Keep knocking till you find. Keep seeking it out. I don't know why. I don't know why some people get baptized the first time they ask for it. I don't know why some people take five, seven, ten years before they receive the gift. But when you persevere, I guarantee you, God will meet you. God will meet you. And so, first things first, before we go any further, I just want to set something right, like what Pastor Beck spoke about last week, and I alluded to today. To receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you need to first accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so this morning... um, I'm just going to go quickly over this because we want to give people time um, to soak in God's presence, to be prayed for, to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So if you want to get your life right, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've done this before, maybe you haven't, doesn't matter. Right now is your opportunity. If you just want to make sure, that's completely fine. But what we want you to do is to uh, say this prayer with us together. and, And so that we know who we're praying for, I'm going to get everyone just to close their eyes in a moment. I'm going to count to three. And at a count of three, you just put your hand up and then back down again. And then we're going to say this prayer together to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's as easy as it is. I love that the Bible says um, that if you confess to your lips and believe in your heart, if you make public your declaration that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that day salvation is yours. It's as simple as that. So we can get everyone just to close your eyes. I'm going to count to three. And if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you just have to put your hand up and then back down again. One, two, three. God's stirring on some hearts. Awesome. Awesome. Come on. The stirring of the Holy Spirit here. I didn't say anything that great, but you know that there's something stirring inside of your heart. You know that God is saying, come on, come home, come home. I'm here. You don't have to do life by yourself. You don't have to do this thing by yourself. Come on. If that is you, come home to Jesus. Awesome. Let's say this prayer together. Dear Father, I know I've fallen short, I know I've sinned, but I know that you've dealt with that on the cross. So I invite you into my heart. Be my Lord and my Saviour. I place the rest of my days in your hands. Amen. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au